we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Toledano. It is an insider look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on hot topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Teledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, a people's history from Onyx Collective and Hulu. Based on the Wired cover story by Jason Parham and directed by Princess Penny. Executive producer of Insecure, Black Twitter. A People's History tells the story of how black voices found a new home online and blossomed into a force for change, while laying down some hilarious tweets along the way. If you were there for Meet Me in Temecula or Thanksgiving Clapback, you need to see this series. If you weren't there, time to dive in. Watch how Black Lives Matter grew and gained force because of the voices on Black Twitter, bringing these issues to the forefront like never before. From the memes to the movements, see how this powerful community shapes culture, society, and politics. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth-building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! And outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Wake that ass up. In the morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ MV Angela Yee, Charlemagne the God. We are the Breakfast Club. We got a special guest in the building. Yes, indeed. Joey Badass. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. How's Welcome. How are you, my brother? I'm great. I'm great. Man. You look healthy. Good to be here. I am healthy. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I got a. Uh, I'm in a group chat, man, with uh, Rob Markman and Hovain and B Dot. And, and a couple weeks ago, they was like, "Yo, y'all got to listen to Joey Badass new album." I hadn't gotten a chance to listen to it. Man, I listened to it a couple of days ago. Phenomenal body of work, Thank my you. brother. Thank like, you. phenomenal. Like, rap album of the year category. It, it, it should be mentioned in, in that kind of conversation. That means a lot coming from you. You know what I'm saying? I appreciate that. Definitely worked really hard on that. Um, I'm super satisfied with the project. I feel like all of the feedback has been really good. And those are all my guys, too. You know right. what I'm saying? Shout out Hovain, Rob, B-Dot. Just saw him the other day. 
You know what I'm saying? No, I texted him. I, text I was like, yo, why y'all ain't tell me Joey Badass album was so good? They was like, we did. <laughs> <laughs> and he told me, listening. <laughs> and he told me, y'all said, he said you sat down with Rap Radar recently. I don't yeah, think it came right. out yet, yeah. though. Shout out to Elliot as well. You know, that was good. Those are my guys, man. We were just keeping the conversation going. Heavily, got- heavily inspired by the mixtape game, it seems like. Oh, yeah. With, with some of the, the the first couple of samples, something in the way you make me feel. And uh-huh. that. Ooh, Stephanie, Stephanie Mills. Mills. Stephanie yeah. Mills. Uh-huh. yeah. So, so let's talk about that, because as soon as I heard it, I was like, oh, you could tell he was raised on mixtapes. So let's talk about that a little bit. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was like an ordinary day. Pulled up on my man Static, Shout Static Selector. Mm-hmm. Um, and he played that joint. And I ain't going to lie, I laid that shit, and I didn't even care about it, really. I was just like, you know, because that, at that point, I was experimenting a lot, you know, with my sound. So... Mm-hmm. When it came to, you know, the boom bap or the traditional style, I would just kind of be bored with that. I'd be mm-hmm. like, ah, oh, this something I could do in my sleep. So I just kind of laid it and didn't think about it. But I was listening to it the next day and then the next day and the next day. I'm like, yo, this shit is fire. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But um, definitely, like, with the whole mixtape influence direction, you know, that's what I was raised on. That's what I grew up on. And this project, um, you know, I'm more of a conceptual type of artist, but this one I really just kind of wanted to speak towards my lifestyle and things that I was living on a day-to-day basis, you know what I'm saying, bring people to my world. I feel like it's been 10 years since I've been in the game, and I feel like it was a perfect time for a reintroduction to Joey Badass. So that's kind of how I structured this joint. So Every time I see you, I feel like you you should have been, you should have grew up in in the in the Hove and Nas era. Yeah. That's what I, even when I see you acting, I'm like, you are from that era. Like, your whole embodiment fits that era. That's why right. I, I told him this morning, I was like, yo, I said, it's very New York, but still fresh. Yeah. That's how you moved to me. Very New York, but still f- fresh with it. Yeah, man, you know, I was, when I came out at the time, man, it was like, nobody has seen what I was doing, mm-hmm. you know? But for me, it was kind of like a natural reaction to what was going on, you know what I'm saying? Circa 2010, 2011, you know, a lot of stuff on the radio. It was like Young Money dominant. Then they started going West Coast with it, you know what I'm saying? And um, I just felt the need that New York needed something that, like, represented it again, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And um, that's kind of just where I fell in. And um, I feel like I felt that void kind of in a way. And, yeah, now it's just kind of part of my DNA. Part you of hated my New identity. York radio at that time, I know that. Uh, well, you know, I was a kid. I hated everything. <laughs> I hated literally everything. I didn't want to talk to nobody. I didn't want to see nobody. I had no type of gauge on really what was going on and to the magnitude of how it was going. And when did that change? Because, you know, when, when you first came out, I, don't, I guess you could consider the introvert. Like, you really didn't fuck with too many people. Yeah. You were just kind of on your own. Yeah. And, and, and it's changed a lot since then. Yeah, man. You know, when I first came out, I was very crew-based. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't want to go nowhere without my crew. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I'm in the spot, my whole gang is in the spot, and if they can't get in, then I'm not going in. You know, and that really had kept me in my own bubble, so a lot of people couldn't, like, approach me. And I was being told things early in my career, like, yeah, I'm unapproachable and stuff. I was like, word, like, I feel like I'm the nicest guy. You know what I'm saying? I could have a conversation with anybody. You know, it was really just time and experience that went on and kind of realizing how many opportunities I was leaving behind because I would straight up not go to certain rooms and tables because I couldn't roll 5D. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I had to smarten up as I got older. And I realized, you know, you, you pack light. The lighter you pack, you know, the, the, the further you could fly, mm-hmm. the further you could ascend. What's the quote they say? If you want to go fast, go along. Mm-hmm. If you want to go far, go together. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like... Now that's real because I, I, 
I remember when you came out, people loved your music, but they didn't know anything about Joey Badass besides he's from Brooklyn and he runs with a lot of people. But like today, you came in and you talking about cars. I'm like, I never even know Joey was in the cars yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, and I just sure. know I do so for much sure. cars. I'm like, yeah, but it's, 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 I'm glad to see you opening up people getting that understanding you a lot more. You know, when it's when you're a new artist and you're coming into the game, and that's why I have a lot of like empathy and like patience for like these newer guys. It's like you still introducing yourself. You know what I mean? People only can identify with the version of you where you caught the moment at. So say you got a song and it's about cheeseburgers. <laughs> they like this nigga like cheeseburgers. <laughs> yeah, you, you the know cheeseburger know guy like they, now. Yeah. They like Nigga, why are you eating the glizzy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, they, they yeah, see yeah. you on the street, like, what the, you know what I mean? So it kind of just becomes a part of uh, your identity and shit like that. And the more you grow and expand as an artist, you can introduce different sides of yourself. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So for me, being here 10 years, it's like I've been able to implement, you know, different sides as the time goes on. And I'm grateful for that. Why, why did it take so long? Why, why 10 years between projects? Oh, no, nah, it wasn't 10 years between years. projects. It was five, five years. I thought 99, still, when, when 99 came out. Well, 99 was 10 years. 10 years. What was, was, what was five years, years ago? Um, five years was my last album, All American All American, yeah, yeah, All American Bad. Yeah, right. yeah. Right. But five years is a long time, too, yeah. in this business. Why five years? Man, it wasn't no specific reason. Like I, It wasn't like I finished my last album. Like, yeah, I'm going to take five years. Mm-hmm. Or nah, it just, it just happened that way, man. You know, I was experimenting, trying to find a new direction, trying to figure out which way I wanted to go. Um, in addition, I had my first kid, you know, Congrats. my daughter, she's four years old now. Mm-hmm. Um, started doing a lot of TV and film stuff, started taking off. So it was just really getting used to a new balance. And then the pandemic set me back. Like I had a project, but then when the pandemic started, I got connected with myself in a different way, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and um, it became a whole different thing, you know, so it's just it's kind of the way it lined up, but I'll tell you this, like, I ain't never planning on going away for that long again, you know? Well, you were still on TV a lot, though, so it, it didn't feel like it. For you, sure. You were on TV a For lot. sure, but, like, it felt a little weird because I would be going to interviews with, like, music people, and they want to talk to me about acting. You well, you know did win an Oscar, Joe. Yeah, You know I what know, I mean? That's kind of big. Well, <laughs> Yeah. The movie won an Oscar, but <laughs> yeah, you no, started exactly, the movie. Exactly, right, yeah. exactly, you know. But does, does that make you feel the way when you, you go to interviews and people don't know you as a rapper and they know you more as an actor? Nah, you know, it don't make me feel a way, but it just made me feel as if, okay, it's been too long. These niggas about to forget that you rap. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. These niggas about to just identify you as an actor. Like, you need to come with some shit now. You know, that's, that's kind of was more the pressure I was feeling. But I think it's ill when people, you know, notice me and they only know me for film and TV because I actually like that opportunity to get to get to introduce myself to people. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like they meet the person first and then they go check out my music. I feel like it always hit different that way because right there you could see, okay, this nigga is not no one dimensional type of nigga. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And then you get into the music, it's like, oh, boom, boom. You know what I'm saying? Being an actor opens up a lot more doors, I'm sure though. Yeah, for, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, I done made a lot of connections, you know what I'm saying, with a lot of great people. I mean, shout out to everybody in the power universe, from Sasha Penn, Courtney Kemp, mm-hmm. Fifth. Um, shout out to my man James Samuels, you know what I'm saying? He been These are just people who've been looking out for me in the film and TV world and kind of, like, helping me guide and steer myself into the right places because that shit is hard, you know what I mean? That shit is harder than music. Like, to be the lead role in a movie requires... 
ample amount of time. Like, you got no time for yourself. I mean, I'm talking about from <laughs> breakfast club hours mm -hmm. all the way to uh, <laughs> late night with Rosenberg hours. <laughs> word, 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 word. <laughs> Every day, Monday through Friday for about seven months. You know what I'm saying? With music, I mean, you know, the most strenuous part about being an artist is like probably tour. And even tour is like, okay, yeah, you, you probably got to go to the next city, stay on the bus all day, but... The work really is only for about an hour or two hours that night. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Everything else is kind of like just the shit that come with it. But acting is a way tougher job. You play. You play. Oh. I was gonna ask you, how did you get into acting? For people that don't know. Um. So I was a theater student mm -hmm. in high school. I went to Edward R. Murrow. Um. I had like audition for a bunch of different like drama theater programs because when I was coming up, when I when it was time for me to go to high school, like I always was into music. Mm -hmm. But at the time, there was no programs to go to to like work on my rap skills or to be mm -hmm. a rapper. So my next like best thing to me was film. You know, I know I always wanted to get into that. So I kind of just tried my little early start. I got accepted into Edward R. Murrow. They kicked me out after my sophomore year, though. For what? <laughs> my attendance was just oh. it was poor. You know, mm -hmm. it was poor. I was like one out of three black kids. And the great thing about that is, I was one out of three black kids. It was me and the homie Sadiq. Who played Ghostface on Wu Tang? Wow! So it was dope, you know what I'm saying? Connecting back with him, yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. Connecting back with him, the whole full circle joint. Did but, you ever think you would lose your rap identity as Joey Badass playing Inspector Deck? Um, no, nah, I didn't think I was gonna lose my rap identity, but that is a good question because I was always reluctant about playing roles that were too close to who I am in real life, mm -hmm. especially a rapper. I'm like, I don't want to be a rapper because I am a rapper. But when I got off of that, you know, it's Wu Tang. Like, that's a big honor. And then RZA has been one of my mentors in this game for a long time. So I definitely wanted to come through for him. Like, I felt he's come through for me a lot of the times. But, you know, then I got Power and then I got on Viv, though, for Wu-Tang. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, the, the album 2000, right? It's called 2000. By my calculations, you were five in 2000. Yeah. So what do, you, what do you remember about that year? Man, I remember so vividly being in pre-K. This was like... This had to be like right before I went to uh, kindergarten, mm -hmm. probably like May or some shit. And I just remember seeing my teacher write on the chalkboard like May 1st or something, 2000. I just remember that shit being a big thing. And I also remember being terrified because as a kid hearing about the Y2K, Y2K shit, yeah. yep, yep, yep. I'm like, Ma, is the world going to end? Boom, boom, boom. And you know, 2000 came and it was just like a whole, it was a new millennium, you know? Because most people... 2 k and shit was my yeah. shit. Because <laughs> so, most Screen people talk tours. about... They talk about those years when they was teenagers as their formative years. Like, I mean, you were five. Yeah, yeah. I was five, but I was very aware. I was soaking up game. You know what I'm saying? I was observant. Now, uh, uh, tell me about the Jay-Z connection, because you referenced that a couple of times on the album, on Make You Feel, and I might be paraphrasing here, but you say peep game like Jay. That's that's why, that's why he, he didn't, didn't sign, sign me. That's why I didn't, he didn't sign us, keep the game at bay like the 49ers. Like, that line is inspired by, you know, because Jay is, like, definitely, Jay is, like, an idol of mine. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I read his book, Decoded, and that line was inspired by a piece in Decoded when he said he met with Russell Simmons for the first time. Mm -hmm. And he, he details the experience as him, like, remembering sitting at that table and looking at them and thinking to himself, like, damn, like, I don't want to be signing these niggas. I want to be these niggas. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So that was kind of the inspiration behind that line. It's like, you know, shit didn't work out or whatever, for whatever reason it didn't. Um, but 
Shit. You remember your first back. conversation with Jay? Your first sit down with him? Yeah. What Hell was yeah. I was 17 years old. You know, he flew me off for the tour. I was in Denver. He flew me back out to New York to meet with him. And, <laughs> you know, I was a funny little nigga. So I walked in and I'm like, yes. Like, nigga, whatever it is. Yes. <laughs> 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 he was sitting, like, behind his desk, kind of like how look Charlemagne is right there. Yeah, but he was standing up, like, you know, doing the pacing back and forth and shit. And it was a dope experience, man, because at 17 years old, I felt so limitless. Mm -hmm. Like, it was probably, like, when I was 15 or 16, like, I visualized in my mind, like, I want to be signed to Jay-Z. Mm -hmm. So when I was going up in that Rock Nation building like a year or two later, I'm like, damn, I could do anything. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm mm -hmm, saying? Mm -hmm. Like I'm already my I'm already intersecting with my idol. I'm already in alignment with my idol. Mm -hmm. Anything is possible. You know what I'm saying? That's how I looked at it. No matter what happened, whether it worked out or didn't. You know? Did he tell you why he didn't sign y'all? It's funny. Like I always see him now, and I be wanting to have that conversation. But the time, I feel like the time never permits, like, where we at. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It'd be stuff going on. But I'd I be wanting to ask him that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because I was so young at the time, and to me, there was no reason to not sign a Jay-Z. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there was other, um, you know, factors involved and shit like that. So I'm not really sure what exactly happened. Like, if the communicate if the communication channels was like mm -hmm. sabotaged mm -hmm. or something mm -hmm. like right. that, like I don't know what happened, you know? Because based off the album, it seems like y'all used to be up there a lot, like skateboarding in front of the, the building. Well, uh, yeah, they showed us a lot of love. Okay. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? They show, to this day, you know, he, he looks out for me, shows me a lot of love. So it's just always been, um, you know, uh, what's more like three degrees of separation. You, you know, know what I'm saying? Like knowing mutual people and all that. And then also Chance to Rap, we had Chance to Rap up here, and he said, you guys were really close. Yeah. How did y'all develop that relationship? How did y'all get so close? Man, since since the beginning, you know, like, I think I was probably the first dude in the industry to, like, collab with Chance, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying, back in the day. And um, I remember seeing his, his video for uh, Hey Miles, like his first single, and I remember seeing that shit right away, like, yo, this dude is a star. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And he was from Chicago. We had connected one time, and... From there, we was just cool, you know what I'm saying? He was always a good dude uh, to be around, good energy, good spirit, and, like, you know, just like-mindedness, you know? Um, shout out to my dog, Chance. We got the highs and the lows out right now. Mm -hmm. I think it's definitely one of the best songs that dropped this year, you know? So I, check that out. And I, I like what you said about this being a reintroduction to Joy Badass, because you do tell so much about yourself. You talk about your uh, cousin Richie Rich writing your, writing your first rap. Yeah. What, what kind of battery did that put in your back? Man, I mean... He just, like, really gave me structure. You know what I'm saying? Like, he taught me how to count balls and all that. Because I'm like, what is a 16? And he kind of broke it down for me. It's kind of like, he's like, it's kind of like a line. A line by line. You know what I'm saying? So having uh, characters like that in my life at an early age definitely gave me, like, the extra um, confidence. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? To do it. Because while other kids was, like, kind of struggling, trying to figure out what they were doing, I actually had guidance. You know what I mean? Some type of guidance, like, you know, look, this is how you write a rap. Boom, boom, let me write your first rap for you. Let me get you set up. And then, you know, I had other older cousins who used to rap and shit like that. For a long time, it was a running joke because when I was a kid, I used to always tell them, yo, y'all need to bring me to the studio, boom, boom, boom. And then my shit blew up, and I was like, ah, y'all niggas, they bring me to the studio. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember writing your first rap? Um, 
my first rap. Nah, nah. Like, I don't remember writing my first rap. Mm-mm. But it must have been in, like, first grade. Because mm-hmm. that's when I was introduced to poetry. And I identified it as, like, I was like, oh, this is the shit that Biggie doing. Mm-hmm. That's, like, what my brain said. You know what I mean? And then from there, I got into poetry. But I would always do, like, rap style poems. What did your family say back then when you, when you started rapping? Because you got accepted to this, this great school. And, right. But you wanted to rap. Well, the thing is, I was already rapping before the school. You know what I'm saying? My family already knew that that's what I like to do. Um, I ain't gonna lie, my family always been supportive. You know what I mean? Like, they was pretty much more, like, amazed by my conviction. Because, you know, I used to, my mom used to kick me out. We used to fall out, and then I, I would go by my grandmoms, and I would set, like, a make, I would set up a makeshift studio in the basement. Mm-hmm. So it was like, you know, it would be a running joke in my family, like, oh, yeah, don't go down there and mess with Javon's studio stuff. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I would have, like, the towels hanging from the ceiling, create, like, a whole little mm-hmm. booth. But um, I remember the first time I spit that verse that my cousin wrote for me <laughs> for my mom's. I was, like, nine years old. Mm-hmm. And shit went something like, my name is Little J and I got the nine. You mess with me and I blow off your mind. They hating cuz I be on my grind and I always shine. Why you acting like you sell Glocks? Or I put a pipe bomb in your mailbox. Mm-hmm. Some shit like that, right? I'm she nine years old. Your ass up. I don't even know what the fuck she I'm really talking about up. for real. She, I, nah, she even snatched me up. She was like, Do you know what a nine is? <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, I, I'm, To me, I'm like, I'm nine, so it just sounded like <laughs> nine. <laughs> nine years old, you feel me? I'm like, Nah. She was like, it's a gun. First of all, I was like, word. <laughs> and then she gave me the realest advice. She was like, yo, look, if you want to do this, you could do that. But you just got to be true to yourself. And from there, I just kind of took that and ran with it. She didn't say nothing about the pipe bomb? Nah, she didn't say nothing about that. <laughs> I think she kind of figured out that it wasn't my words. Word, <laughs> you know gotcha. what I'm saying? Somebody else was involved in that. Now, uh, I love Written in the Stars, too. You mentioned your daughter earlier. You said your daughter was your wake-up call. What the, what did that wake-up call look like to you? Yeah, you know, when I had my daughter, it was like, oh, shit, I only got one kid. You know what I mean? I was, I felt so obligated in the earlier years of my career to take care of people and, uh, um, you know, look out for people. And to the point where, you know, a lot of the times it burned me out, you know, um, feeling that get feeling like guilt survivor's guilt and mm. things of that nature but mm-hmm. you know when my baby girl came it was like oh okay this is really the only person i'm responsible for you know what i'm saying and now that she's here it's different like if you can't respect that then you know we can't even be cool no more how's your life changed how do you move differently now that you have a girl you have more conviction do you invest more like how how, how does that change you as a, a father to man well, yeah, you know, definitely more focus, definitely more intention in everything that I do, especially when it comes to, you know, spending and living. I mean, shit, I was, I'm a very spontaneous type of dude. So one thing that I realized quick was like, oh, shit, I don't got the same freedom I used to have. Mm-hmm. Like, I would be able to go to Africa tomorrow. Now, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I got to set it up, make sure everything's good, she good, like weeks in advance. Um, you know, I, I say it made me more patient. It made me more gentle. It made me more um, willing to learn and listen. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, especially with a baby girl, I feel like it's way more delicate. Mm-hmm. You know? How did it change your overall perspective of women? Um, definitely. Like, you know, from time to time, I would have the thought like, "Hmm, 
I wouldn't want my daughter to, you know what I'm saying, being in a situation mm-hmm. like that. So it definitely kind of gives you a heightened state of awareness, I would say, you know, when it comes to that interaction. But, I mean, I've always been a super respectful man anyway. But, mm-hmm. like, you know, with my baby girl in my life, it definitely kind of shapes my mind in a way like, all right, let me try to be more like the version of the man that I would want my baby girl to grow up mm-hmm. and, you know, be with, deal with. Do you ever look at it like, I was this way as a man and now I got to change because I don't want my daughter to like that as a man? Um, yes and no, because, you know, life is about growth. You know, nobody's going to come straight off of the tree like, boom, perfect, right. solid, uh, the full man that they supposed to be like, nah, you got experience. And, you know, I want, I want, I don't want none of that to be hidden from my child. Like, I don't want her to ever view life as a thing where you could skip steps and still get by. You know what I'm saying? It's like everything counts to whatever point in time you at. You know what I mean? Everything is added up. You know, we all got we all got all types of childhood traumas that we couldn't even run from if we tried to. That's though. right. You know what I'm saying? It was inevitable. There was no way to get off that path or whatever. And these are the things that affect us and, you know what I'm saying, ultimately shape who we are. You know what I mean? But as long as, you know, you got that growth mindset or as long as whoever she's with got that growth mindset, then I got some patience. You know, I got some sympathy. You talk about that being your only child. So like, did that inspire the line on cruise control? And I'm, I'm, I know I'm paraphrasing again, but it's like you, you basically said you had to cut off friends you outgrew because you was just holding on to them because of the history right. that y'all had right. together. When right. did you realize that fully? Um, yeah, I want to say definitely close to that time that I had my I had my child, you know, and um, starting to kind of put my life into perspective, looking at assets versus liabilities, mm-hmm. like. What was, what was, um, you know, my, my, my dad always gave me this analogy, especially when it comes to money, is like, it's like having a bag, right? And you're filling it up with water, but it got a hole in it. Right. And the hole is representative of your liabilities or your overhead. So I was really starting to look at it like that. Like, who's helping me close this hole? Who's helping me make this shit bigger? Mm-hmm. And that's when my discernment started to come in and to develop. And, you know, that's how I was able to, separate the real from the fake really you know and now i just roll i just the way i move around is like way lighter you know what i'm saying like yeah. and that's part of it too but then also you have the friends who even if you're doing for them they feel like it's never enough yeah man like they're entitled that's where the entitlement creeps in you know what i'm saying um yeah you gotta you gotta you gotta be real careful with that i mean i'm on some i'm in a headspace now where as soon as I feel those negativities or those disconnections, that's it. I'm mm-hmm. done. You know what I mean? Because I ain't about to sit here and drain myself out and try to, um, you know, make somebody happy who can't make themselves happy. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's like a waste of your time. You know what I'm saying? And I'm I'm done wasting my time. Like, I'm trying to elevate, trying to be the best me. And, like, that type of shit is just uh, detours. <laughs> what did they say? Joey's Joey Hollywood now. Nah, Joey in Hollywood because I ain't never move out of New York. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, shit, I mean, you know, New Jerusalem, but, Mm -hmm. you know, still here. Now, in the baddest, first of all, you and and Diddy seem like y'all have a strong relationship. Absolutely. How you and Diddy get so cool and so close? Man, I met Diddy, uh, when was this, 2016 or 2015? 2016, coming out the Rihanna Met Gala after party. Mm -hmm. 
the one note, he was walking out, I was walking in, and he was just like, yo, King, I've been trying to connect with you for years. Like, I was trying to sign you back in the day. And I'm like, this is all news to me. You know what I mean? This is the first time I'm meeting him. I'm like, wow, word, boom, boom, boom. And then that same week, I had Rolling Loud in Miami, and then I ran into him again. And then from there, it was just like, we were just road dogs, you know what I'm saying? Like, he would be going somewhere, yo, Joey, I'm gonna be in New York, boom, boom, pull up. You know, and we just kind of developed that relationship like that. And it's like, I'm the EP, Two Distant Strangers, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Shit, because of me. You yeah. know what I mean? I got him on that project. I got him involved. I made a phone call and made it happen. You know what I'm saying? And it's, I'm super grateful for that relationship because me, I'm a sponge. So it's like, you bring me around to the right rooms and tables. Like, I ain't taking that shit for granted. I'm connected. I'm networking. I'm, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm using the opportunity fruitfully, you know what I mean? As it should be. So. Mm-hmm. That's how he's always, he's, the fact that he could identify that in me, I'm very appreciative of that, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, as like his little bro, like I want to maximize on those things. I don't want to let him down, you know what I'm saying? I want to return plus interest, you know what I'm saying? Return on investment. And it ain't even that type of situation. Mm-hmm. Ain't no business involved. It's just really just love. But that's just my mindset. That's my character. You know, he did the intro and the outro. On the outro, he said something to the effect of, um, you know, we we gotta we gotta bring that New York feeling back. Like you know, people are. We, we, sometimes we we lost ourselves a little bit. Yeah. Are those conversations that y'all have? And do you think that you can actually bring New York back if you live in some place like Miami or LA? <laughs> Don't you gotta be here? Yeah, I think you gotta be here for sure. Cause you gotta connect with the pulse of the city. You know what I'm saying? Like I was talking to my boy Ferg the other day, and we definitely plotting on, like just bringing some synergy back here. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Having like different events. I feel like the city is kind of disconnected it's dead it's dead right now mm-hmm. like there's a lot of disconnection you know what i'm saying like we all know each other but ain't nobody linking up ain't nobody got no central spot no safe spaces ain't enough safe spaces no more mm-hmm. it's just random little events you like should i go here mm-hmm. should i don't know you know um what was the question I lost the, qu- the question was uh do y'all have those conversations about bringing the feeling back Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Me and Puff, we've spoken about that over the years. Like, you know, I'll play him some songs. He's like, yeah, like, this is the vibe. This ain't the vibe. Or you should do this. You should go more here, you know. But that's usually the the focus of the conversation, you know what I'm saying? We always trying to stay in that essence. He still you know, got I'm an ear? 50 said, 50 said Diddy don't got no ear no more. 50 said Diddy ain't got yeah, no ear no more? Said nah, last that's, a yeah. that's a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie, nah. Puff, I feel like he always going to have an mm. ear, you know what I'm saying? Now, who do you respect lyrically now? Because, you know, of course, in The Baddest, you talk about, of course, Kenny, yourself, and Cole. So who yeah. do you respect lyrically now? Um, Lyrically, shit. You know, I feel like there's a lot of people doing their thing right now. Like, you got Griselda. Mm-hmm. You got Freddie Gibbs. You got J.I.D. You know, you got my homie Flapper Zombies. Um, Been doing their shit. And hey, people don't Cole. never mention Flapper Zombies. Who's the Flapper Zombie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, I'm a real Brooklyn, New York nigga, mm-hmm. East Coast nigga, so I'm going to put on for my... My city and shit, but um, you got Denzel Curry mm-hmm. doing this thing too. You know, that's just a few. Uh, um, I want to be loved. I love that hook. You said I want to be loved, and you know, not judged. Why? Why is that so hard for us to just love and not judge people? Man, because societal norms. You know what I mean? Like the society, the world that we live in, and the agreements that we have. The ego. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I mean, social media in itself. It's just a judgment app. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, you scrolling down and you just analyzing and judging, making observations, uh, inferences, and, you know, you just looking at everybody, highlight reels, and you think 
you know, you start comparing it to yourself or to your life, like, you know, I feel like if we could just learn how to love and, you know, detach ourselves from ego, like, you know, the world would be a better place, obviously. You know, I, I never realized, too, man, just listening to that, I, I never realized how much you sound like most deaf. Yo, people be saying that, I don't hear it. On this project especially, I was like, damn, I was like, he really sound like most deaf. I don't hear it. And I like, do a lot. And most is like, you know, one of my favorite rappers. Like, Umi Says is probably one of my favorite songs of all time. Mm-hmm. So... I would love to sound like that, but I don't hear it though. You know nah, I, mean? I hear it. I mean, and, yeah. and, and it's not you know the rhyme style. It's not like you imitating him or nothing. It's just the the voice. It's like uh, man, it's not, he sound like most. Yeah, people always say that. Now, um, you can tell that you really been doing the work on yourself mentally too. You know what I mean? Like you you go to therapy. Uh, I do. Okay, I do go to therapy. Um, I started going to therapy back in 2020. You know. As unfortunate as that pandemic was for a lot of people, you know what I'm saying? Like, I definitely don't want to be insensitive when I say this. But for me, I needed that shit. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know stillness in my adult life. Like, I hit the ground running at 17 years old. I was still a kid, still in high school, and um, had to, like, was forced on accelerated growth. You know what I mean? Just pushed out there, just had to keep it going. And I didn't realize for about five, six years I didn't stop. I hadn't stopped, I hadn't gotten any type of still time, I hadn't like had real time to connect with my family, even more importantly, myself, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So when I finally got that space in that time, it was like I just I just went real deep inside, you know what I mean? And I realized things that I needed, I was like, okay, I need therapy, you know what I mean? Like I need to be held accountable for my shortcomings. I need those to be pointed out to me because I'm what you call a self-improvement junkie. Like, I'm committed and devoted to being a better version of myself every time I show up. You know what I'm saying? Like, you could see the evolution in all the Breakfast Club interviews. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. this is our third one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So I pride myself on that. You know, so therapy was definitely an outlet that I saw to bring me closer to a higher self-awareness and just state of being. What introduced you to it? How did you decide to do it? What was that decision like? Well, you know, I've always been open-minded and I started to resonate with that idea that black people, tap uh, therapy being so taboo to us. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, what it was is I was introduced to the concept of emotional intelligence. Word. And that kind of blew my mind. That opened so many doors for me because I'm like, wow, like, we really wasn't taught this, how important it is to identify your own emotions in relation to the people around you. You know what I'm saying? Like, shit, we might just wake up in a bad mood and you wearing that mood. Mm-hmm. And now your household is feeling that mood. Facts, yeah. And you don't even realize you just passed that mood on to your son. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. your son is in school with that mood mm-hmm. and he passing that on to... You know what I'm it's saying? Like energy is, yeah. energy is so contagious. And once I kind of like realized that, it started to, you know, open little pathways in my brain like them, even identifying with frustration as an emotion. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like you tell a lot of black men, if you t- if you tell a black man, yo, you being emotional, that's like offensive. Right. But people don't realize that, yo, if you angry, if, if we having a conversation and you just screaming because you mad, you're in your emotion. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? People get emotion emotionally hijacked every day, B. That's right. <laughs> every day, like blinded by emotion, blinded by rage. So I just kind of started on that path for understanding myself more because I grew up, I had like anger issues and stuff like that. It was hard for me to identify a lot of things that I was feeling. Did you figure out where that anger came from? 
Now, I think, now that I think about it, looking in hindsight, I think a lot of it came from when my parents split. You know what I'm saying? And me not knowing how to process that and then manifesting into something else. Like me trying to find a reason for it elsewhere. Or, you know what I mean? I came to that same realization. I came to that same realization in therapy. Like I didn't realize how much my parents divorcing had impacted me Word. and how and how angry I was at my pops for that. Word up. Word up. You know what I'm saying? So that and that that should have do something to you, especially mm-hmm. as a black man. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because now you got that separation from your father. And it's like, you need your father Word as up. a black man, especially in this fucking world. That's why I love that Kendrick record, uh, uh, what is it? Father, Father Time, Time yeah, man. Because yeah, yeah. I'm like, yo, that's how every black man feels when it comes to their relationship with their dad. Like, yeah. that's our first hero. Mm-hmm. That's who we really want validation yeah. from. And yeah. when we don't have that, it does make you feel like less of a man. And he might implement, you know, uh, ideas of manhood in you that yeah. aren't really... Manhood. Yeah, but it's also like a gift and a curse because what he's saying on the song too is like his pops is on some like, like fuck your emotions, nigga. Like, ain't nobody, don't nobody care, nigga. Keep working. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, I was just, my pops just went on a vacation for the first time in like 30 years. Wow. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm super proud of him. Like, to hear him say that, like, they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, I was, I was very excited to hear that, like, he, something awoken in him to like break past his comfort zone you know because especially with our parents and shit like they lock into a lot of their mindsets and a lot of their thinking and everything like this new generation is way more open-minded there's a lot of new concepts being introduced and stuff like that that our parents were seeing just mm-hmm. be like fuck out of here like what you know did you ever have that conversation with your pops because you know one of the best things that helped me was having a conversation with my pops and realizing that he was going to therapy two and three times a week back in the day. He tried to kill himself back in the day. He mm-hmm. was on 10 to 12 different medications. It made me give him more grace because I realized, damn, he was somebody before he was my parent. Right. And, you know, he was just doing the best he could with right. what he had. Yeah, you know, I have to, I have great conversations with my dad all of the time. And it's like I have my own interpretations of it because I feel like my understanding and his understanding is definitely different and it's like a generational difference. Mm-hmm. And I came to kind of grow and accept that because I just, I, for me, what, what fulfills me, what I appreciate, what I'm grateful for is that I can hear my old man's wisdom. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's up to me to interpret that however I see fit. Mm-hmm. But just being able to hear that, like, you know, I might feel a little bit more spiritually advanced than my dad, but I could never be more experienced than him. Mm, you know what I'm real. saying? And that alone just make me so grateful for any time we connect, you know what I'm saying? Because I feel like it's a meeting of the minds and you can learn from anybody. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like I like to say I'm a student in every room. You know what shit? I could be the teacher in the room and I'm still a student. Okay, right. Do, do you really meditate every day? You say that on the album. You say you meditate every day. Nah, it's hard to meditate every day. Like, you know, that's more of like a manifestation. Word. I would like to meditate every day. At a point I was, you know, in the pandemic, mm-hmm. for sure. But one thing I try to do is pray every day because I feel like it's a form of, you know, meditation or just a form of um, being able to, like, program your thinking in the right way. You know How were you during the pandemic with, with everything going on? Because you were in New York during the pandemic? I was in Jersey, yeah. You was in Jersey? Mm-hmm. So how were you during that time man i was just to myself bro like i called it a time of internal retreat mm. you know like i was i was doing a lot of things i was practicing celibacy 
I was reading a lot of books, you know what I'm saying? Um, in six months, I probably read like 10 or 15 books. That was like the most in one setting, you know. Um, re watching a lot of videos. I started cooking. I was making salads. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, Did you I say was you just, were cooking and making salads? Well, yeah, facts. I was making salads. I learned how to make salmon, all of that, mm -hmm. you know. My shit was slapping, too. Mm -hmm. What did you see about it? Because I always say, you know, the pandemic, like you said earlier, it made all of us be still for the first time. A lot of us had to, like, really be still for the first time and deal with ourselves. Couldn't run from our traumas or nothing. What did you see that made you be like, oh, nah, I got to go do some work on myself? I saw, I felt like I saw how much I was settling for the short end of the stick. Like, you know, I spent a lot of the, the like, the first half of my career really focused and obliged to taking care of other people and in that I put a lot of people before myself mm -hmm. so in the pandemic it kind of put things in perspective to me it's like damn I got I did this one for that one that one for this one but what the fuck do I have to show for myself mm -hmm. what have I done for myself and then that shit was a whole reset because then I came out the pandemic pandemic selfish but in the best way possible because mm -hmm. I've never been that person you know like the shit is evident too. Like I'm glad you noticed that. You said, "Yo, you look healthy." Like this mm -hmm. is what I look like when I'm focused on myself. This is what I look like when I take that time to, you know, take care of myself. Like to love myself. This is what it looked like. You know, like before that, it was it wasn't too much love for self. Mm -hmm. You know, did the pandemic uh, finally give you the opportunity to grieve, Steve, the right way? Um, it, it definitely gave me opportunities, but um, I would say my grieving has probably like finally I don't I don't know this this grieving is it, is it a complete process does it get I, I don't know if it's a complete process but I was going to say when I listen to survivors guild I feel like you have finally started processing yes you know uh yes. his, his his death and, and that's what I was getting at yeah and that's what I was getting at like this is the first year where I definitely feel somewhat like a little bit of peace you know what I mean? And it's, it's 10 years later. Mm -hmm. It's like I'm finally feeling that sense of peace. But just with Steezus, you know, I still, I'm still majorly grieving my cousin Junior death. Junior, you know? yeah, rest yeah. yeah, cause it was just a whole different situation, you know. How, how did, uh, how, how did you, how are you processing it? Like, you know, did it make you look at, cause I had a friend commit suicide in 2020 and when she did that, it made me look at suicide differently. Well, Listen, man, it definitely brought me to a very dark place. And, you know, me, I'm very intuitive. So something inside me told me, because I remember coming from the funeral when me and CJ was on the way back, like, to the crib. And I remember telling him, like, yo, bro, we got to be strong for everybody else. Mm -hmm. You know, because it's easy to fall right now. Mm -hmm. You know, it's easy to get pulled into that low energy. And... I got pulled into that shit, even mm -hmm. after saying it. Even after having that awareness and that understanding that I couldn't go there, I still got sucked into that. You know what I mean? It, it brought me out of a very low low place. I was depressed. Like, I felt so many ways. I'm like, damn, like, 17 years old. Like, I know so many people who are so much older than me, and they've never lost somebody this close to them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It was just, it was a lot of unsettling emotions and feelings, and at the same time, dealing with fame for the first time dealing with, you know what I'm saying? Like the ills of that, it was bug. 
That's natural, though. I'm sure your therapist told you that you got to allow yourself to feel your feels. Like, yeah, all you those know, feelings are natural. And that's what I realized, too. Like, for, like, I was, first of all, I'm grateful for the fact that I was able to put a lot of my trauma off because I was so busy. Because mm-hmm. I don't know what I would have did with that idle time. You know what I mean? Like, I was highly depressed. Like, I felt suicidal. All of that. You know what I mean? Like, I was very convinced that I wasn't going to live past 25. Like, at 17, 18, I was very convinced of that. I'm like, there's no way. Like, I didn't see life after 25. Even when I turned 25, that was a mind fuck for me. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, damn. Like, it really hit me hard. I'm like, I did not realize life. I did not visualize life this far. Wow. And then right there, I drew up a 20-year plan. Yeah. Because you look at suicide differently. Because a lot of people, especially in, in New York, it's probably all over the world, but especially in New York, when growing up as a kid, when you think of suicide, the first thing that people think is you're sore for your week. Right. But then when you start having those emotions and that feeling, you, are, you you realize it's far from that. First of all, like, it's weird to say this, but, like, I think suicide is a incredibly brave thing. It's it like, is. No, it is. You have to have a lot of fucking, like, audacity mm-hmm. to do that to yourself. You know what I'm saying? And then it's, like, to withstand that pain or whichever way, like, you know, like, it's it's heavy. It's heavy, but it's like that shit. There's nothing soft about that. Nothing at all. Ain't nothing soft about that. You know what I'm saying? Like I remember when I was at that point, I'm feeling low and like as low as I was feeling and as convinced I was that like I didn't really want to live. I couldn't find that courage to actually do it. You know what I'm saying? Like I just couldn't find that. Like it's it's a lot. My, my homegirl, Jazz, rest in peace, she did it in 2020, she completed suicide. That's what they say to say, Shanti Das. But uh, Jazz said she was so intentional and so calculated and so strategic that when she did it, in my mind, I, I processed it like she just knew it was her time to go. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I, I've, I've never had that feeling like it's time for me to exit, you know. Yeah. But even if you go look at her Twitter, she was saying things like, I wonder what my next life is going to be like and things like that. So... Something came over her where she knew today is my day. Yeah, nah, Steve's, it was the same way with Steve's. You know what I'm saying? Like, he definitely was vocal about it leading up to it happening. You know what I'm saying? And, like, when I, it was just, it was weird, man. It's weird. So. Now, uh, did the port, did buying that new Porsche 911, did it really help your mental health? That's what you say on that? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Because sometimes you got to show yourself, like, what you can like achieve like it with, with it being a superficial item and a material thing to me it, it more represented like me having a goal mm-hmm. you know and me proving to myself once again like anything is possible like that was my dream car mm-hmm. and I could have got it for a long time but then one day I just decided yo I'm gonna do it and I remember shit like waking up the next morning and seeing it in my garage I'm like damn like and yeah it really did something for my state of being my mm-hmm. state of mind you know what i'm saying like i had to prove to myself like i know all i gotta do is be connected to the source but <laughs> nah i need the porsche <laughs> <laughs> now nah, what i love about you joy man is like yeah. when 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 you, when you see a black man doing the work it does reflect in his life it reflects in the way he looks it reflect reflects mm-hmm. in his career professionally this is probably your best body of work album wise. You see what Appreciate you're doing that. in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So that's why, man, when I see when I see that and I hear you telling these stories about going to therapy and everything, I'm like, that's gonna convince so many more black men to go go do the work. Absolutely, man. It's like, you know, I always pride myself on being some type of role model. Cause it's like with this position I got, with this stature, with this platform, it's like I got so many people listening. 
And I feel like the least I could do is implant seeds mm -hmm. that'll sprout, like, you know, more opportunity for these people or just, you know, wisdom that'll transmute into the right directions for these people and stuff like that. And also just making them not feel alone. Mm -hmm. Like, I realize that, like, my most relatable work is my most vulnerable work. And usually when I go there, like a survivor's guilt mm -hmm. or a show me, people relate to that shit more. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because, yeah. Let's get into a joint off the album. What you want to hear, bro? Uh, let's hear Where I Belong. Mm. Where I Belong. We appreciate you for joining Joey us. Joey Badass, yes, man. Keep growing, my brother. It's yes, Joey sir. Badass. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something, to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help. With funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. Don't miss the new docuseries, Black Twitter, a people's history from Onyx Collective and Hulu. Based on the Wired cover story by Jason Parham and directed by Princess Penny, executive producer of Insecure, Black Twitter. A people's history tells the story of how black voices found a new home online and blossomed into a force for change while laying down some hilarious tweets along the way. If you were there for Meet Me in Temecula or Thanksgiving Clapback, you need to see this series. If you weren't there... Time to dive in. Watch how Black Lives Matter grew and gained force because of the voices on Black Twitter, bringing these issues to the forefront like never before. From the memes to the movements, see how this powerful community shapes culture, society, and politics. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.